been over quite a number of decades that our beloved country has been active in 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. The campaign commenced on the 24th of November to the 10th of December for the elimination of violence against women and children. However, reality is we are still not safe as women. We go to homes and we still do not feel the utmost comfortability that has to come from a home where one is born. With that said, I would like to ask everyone, wherever you seated, to stand up so we honor the souls of those who have lost their lives due to violence in our country. Those born to turn wherever you are, just a moment of silence so we honor the souls of your children. May their souls rest in peace. Thank you. My name is Uti Nai and I am the deputy president of the Sebul Alina. I form part of the very first executive committee of Sebul and it is indeed good to be here. Today, we are celebrating our fourth annual Civil Women Rights Court under Section 20 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa. Our previous courts have dealt with the following. The first annual court dealt with Section 16, which is freedom of expression. The second annual court dealt with Section 25, which was the right to property. The third annual dealt with section 29, which was the right to education. And today we are on our fourth annual, which is dealing with citizenship. The reason I was smiling when I stood up is because we have done so well as an organization. We have had students that were part of several who were not yet um, practicing by the time they actually joined several. Today, they are successful um, attorneys and advocates, and it, it, it really makes me emotional because I've been here for over four years, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm quite overwhelmed now with, with, with emotions and nerves, but we are here, and we are very proud of this organization. Our several human rights court is celebrated around this time and around the same date between the 11th and 10th of December, in commemoration of the 10th of December of 1948, when the United Nations adopted the Universal Declaration of the Human Rights, and on the very same day in 1996, the Constitution of South Africa was signed into law by the former President, President sorry, Nelson Bolifata Mandela. The Civil Human Rights Court is open to all law students interested in participating, and that is obviously done by adhering to the application procedure of Civil Human Rights Court. We have had participants, like I said before, who were students and are currently now practicing. Our very own 
um, several alumni, President Fadi Lomofuke, has been part of the Civil Human Rights Court while she was still a student. She always explains her experience as a learning curve and wonderful exposure. The main objective of our court is to give participants a practical overview and lesson of litigation in our courts. With that said, a very warm welcome to everyone in this room. May you please give yourself a round of applause that you made time and most importantly, may we give a round of applause to our participants who took time and I believe much more, you know, standing in the mirror having to remember everything that you are going to say. Thank you for making time and thank you for being here. Finally, <laughs> we move to our next agenda on our item. I would like to request that we have we have a Wi-Fi um, details there, which is AFSA. And the password is also there. So if you could just tag us on everything that you'll be tweeting about or the pictures that you'll be posting. Our hashtag for today is fourth annual SHRC, hashtag several alumni, hashtag section 20. I repeat, our hashtags for today are fourth annual SHRC, Hashtag several alumni, hashtag section 20. Please tag us on all your videos, your pictures, and your tweets. Make us train today. Thank you. The bathroom is down the passage on your right, and the registration form is right there by the door for those who haven't yet filled it out. Can you please make sure that by the end of these proceedings, the registration is filled? This is our first session of the program, and we will announce when we take away, preparing for the second um, section. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome and thank you. I would now call the, the president to, to give us the presidential address. Yes, ma'am? Can you repeat the hashtag again? The, the hashtag for social media platforms is Hashtag fourth annual SHRC. Hashtag several alumni. Hashtag section 20. Thank you. Thank you. Chief Justice of the Day, um, Hasim Essie, 
a senior counsel. Most of our chief justices are advocates of the notes, and we make sure that they are advocates who are making um, contribution to society and in the legal profession. Secondly, our deputy chief justice, advocate Makambeni, um, he, he's always supporting us whenever he's called to give us his counsel, he comes through. I mean, this year we are honored to have him in our midst for the second time. Uh, we had him uh, on our Liberty to Learn Against Injustices workshop. Thirdly, um, I would like him to stand up uh, our third justice advocate only then You see, I want you guys to take note of the fact that our justice is is also one of the several NPC directors. Now, for the participant, this is one of the people that sit with the team that drafts the several human rights court scenarios. In fact, he's the mastermind behind today's scenario. So he had to fill in for one of the justices who couldn't make it. So when it comes to the particular details of the case, <laughs> you have to be very careful. <laughs> I'm just giving a warning. Those yeah, are all yeah. scenarios <laughs> from the back to front, front to back, east to south. So, on that matter, make sure no room for mistake. So, advocate very again. She was uh, in 2017. We had an evidence and technology initiative at KPMG. She was there and she was our expert and she was our keynote speaker. Please, please rise also. <laughs> the, the 
Yes, yes. So it's key So even on the twenty fifth of um, January, we will be having another workshop whereby she will also be giving us her, her expert, you know, and she will, you know, give the key road address. So we are very blessed to also have her. Thank you very much for that. Because I also like to thank the several alumni executive committee in ascertaining that today becomes a reality. I've, I'm very really grateful to work with such a team that is willing to 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 move, even though today is a, a work day. But um, they took their time to say, "Come, let us do this and make sure that it becomes a reality." Please give them a round of applause. Our alumni that are also attending here, some of them also said, no, we want to be here, we would like to attend. Um, we are thankful for you guys. Also, um, all other aspirant legal practitioners, we are thankful to have you here with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> and last but not least, I would like to thank Advocate Lindy Thomas. She, she left, she was here a few minutes ago. Now, Advocate Lindy Ngozi Thomas is the chairperson of several NPC. She's also the chairperson of this particular chambers, the ASA chambers. I mean, that is very phenomenal. She's also a senior counsel. Some of you guys will know her from the Jacob, they call the Jacob Zuma trial, the constitutional trial. So she also made sure she ascertained that we get this particular baby today. And I mean, this is historical. We always had our our our, our, our root cause right across the street at Trilamela Chambers, as some of you guys know. That is our traditional thing. But today we are here, we have gathered. And I say it's historic because, I mean, not all legal practitioners get to come here to these chambers. And today you guys will be making your submissions right here. I mean, if there's not motivation enough, I don't know what, what needs to motivate you guys. So please, a round of applause for Asa. It is very historic, this um, venue. I always say that a venue plays a very integral role in everything that you in everything that you do. I mean, I've mentioned the fact that today we have six participants coming out of Gauteng, and today for the very first time we are having our, our move court here. I mean, within outside, I think as we have seen, as we walked around this many rooms, there's African room, the Shanghai, and so forth. But what is of to take note and is of importance is also the the, Kajek, the China Africa Arbitration Center. I mean that is just I, I think for me every time I come in just I think the development that South African law has taken into the development that that international law that has been introduced to us it's very um, it's, it's moving and it shows that as a country we are moving with the times. I mean, when you go and you, you go into that particular room and you see that this is where the disputes are, you see China and Africa trying to solve their disputes amicably in commercial. It's, it's, it, it, it's something that really, for me, in my time and in my tenure, to come here and speak in front of you guys, I think it's really phenomenal. And when I started in 2016, we were, like I mentioned, we were in there were only four participants. Today we have an entire nine participants. There was only the applicants and the respondents. Today we have the applicants. We have the amicus family for the second time, which we only started last year. Then, then we also have the respondents. So we are a, an organization that 
is very for growth and for movement. And it's just phenomenal to see that, as the Deputy President has mentioned, our alumni are making more things in legal, in the, in the legal profession. They are really making moves. Our very PPC, she's an admitted attorney of the High Court of South Africa. She has her own law firm. We also have our very own Malibu Madure. She just recently passed the board exams. She will be with us shortly. She will be interviewing the Chief Justices after we adjourn for our interviews. And then we also have the Secretary General, specifically Mumado. He's an attorney at Baker McKenzie, one of the leading international firms. He's not just an attorney, he's an associate, associate pardon me. Recently, they, had, they held awards there, and he was voted the best attorney associate. Let's give them a round of applause. So, and I, you know, I've been saying I really wish that I, I would I could stay here with everyone and listen to 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 your to your submissions. But I know that you are going to blow the, the justices. Your submissions will blow them away. Well, I also like to leave you with a, a quote from our expert, um, from our critical legal thinking workshop. You know, during the course of the year, we have various events and we have seminars, and one of the workshops that we had that our expert said for us, and I quote, he says, the LMB degree will teach you where the law is, but the LMB degree will not teach you how to find the law. So that is very, it's a very relevant quote even today, and that is why we are gathered here today. We've had our workshops, we've had our seminars, we've given you like the skills, so now today is for you guys to put it in practice and see what is it that you guys have actually learned and I also like to read a quickly a, a, a tweet that I came across yesterday when I was at work from the Constitutional Court. So it, the, the, the tweet says, Judgment tomorrow 10 a.m. So this was yesterday on the 10th of December. It says, Is a, a graduate who obtains an LMB degree from a registered and accredited private higher education institution like the IEC? IIE's varsity college eligible for admission as a legal practitioner in terms of the Legal Practice Act. Now, I want you guys to think about that. And the case is IIE versus KZN Law Society. Today, the judgment will be handed down. I think this is very critical. The Council of Higher Education released the reports to say the LMP qualification does not produce final legal practitioners, or rather, practitioners of quality. And now we have this judgment that awaits us. Because now if you go to the Legal Practice Act, the Legal Practice Act on its own, it says that you must have graduated from a South African university. And now we have students coming in from private institutions, your colleges. Now they want to be noted. Now here they are, they want to be admitted. We await the court's judgment. It's a very interesting one. Let's all read that judgment and move. We'll debate about it later. But for me, I think it's amazing. Our court has been very flexible. We are waiting to see what they, they will say. They've been very, very flexible. They've shown us that this indeed is the 21st century. This is indeed 2019. So we, we await the judgment to say that now are they avoiding that particular judgment or what are they going to say? 
So, I mean, with them, anything can happen. So we are with the index constant, and I think this is very interesting. I hope I've said everything that needs to be said. And I always say, last but not least, I always say it is an honor for me to, to be here. It is an honor and privilege because before, before I can regard myself as a president, I regard myself as an alumni and did an alumna because I am proud in the sense that all the activities of Sebo have took part in, and that is the distinctiveness of several alumni. We are not like any other organization. We don't pick you out from the street and say, come and fill out your membership. This is 20 rand. You participate. You go through the process. And that is why you be conferred a certificate that will say you are an alumni because you took part. They all took part. She took part in the civil shadowing. She took part in the civil human rights court. I took part in the civil shadowing and the civil human rights court. The entire executive committee took part. And all our alumnus, they did took part. So that is the tradition that we have. And that is how we are distinct. And that is what we are proud of. And that is the legacy that we also want to maintain. And even with the incoming leadership, as leaders, what we do here is not to boss around, our, boss around everyone, but we are leading and showing you guys how it's done. That is why even when we ask for articles, we say, please write articles. If you can go lot, that I have an article that I wrote in this one. You can read it in the presidency, several alumni. So we all take part, we all have a part to, to play. And yes, I can speak the whole day. Thank you guys <laughs> so much. For, for the participants, please relax. <laughs> if you went through your heads of argument, you went through them. Know your, your case scenario, know your facts, know your case law, and then you'll be good. But when the justices come here, you're not expected to be reading from your heads of argument. I mean, if you watch the videos, I was told in the first year that, um, no, you cannot read. You put it down, and you just you keep out your, your heads of argument. Relax, smile, have fun. It's important to, to have fun while you're learning. I mean, I don't know the day. When you work out here, when you, when you walk, when you all walk out here, there's no one who's going to be actually awarded cost and say, please pay the cost out of your pockets. <laughs> they all have, they will be cost that will be awarded, but not from your pockets. So whatever happens today, just make sure that you've learned, you take away the schools with you. That is the most important thing. That is, all. That is what I always say. So please have fun, enjoy, relax, and all the best of luck. Um, thank you, President. That was quite a mouthful, and I hope everyone got something out of what the President has just said. Before we even move to our next item, I, I, I would actually like to echo the words of the President saying that we do not only fill membership forms here, making you pay without you going through the process. Um, on the 30th, I attended a, a mediation course, which is around 25000 and because I formed part of several, I was actually lucky enough and blessed enough to be part of that mediation workshop, which actually states that Rule um, 41A should be part of the uniform rules of the court, whereby now we teach our citizens of mediation instead of taking um, the litigation votes in some of the matters, because our courts are quite flooded, guys. We, we, we uh, are faced with that are full of people and nothing is happening, 
the process takes time and so forth. So I was part of the of the mediation um, program and I learned a lot. So you are quite blessed to be here. That I can tell you and please you can even put it on the hashtag as well that I am blessed. Thank <laughs> 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 you. On our next item we will have um, the case summation by attorney Verosta Mutimela, who is also our um, project and event coordinator. Uh, the president has already stated who she is and what she does, and I will repeat that Veroshka um, is an admitted attorney of the High Court of South Africa, and she is also running her law firm. And we are here in this event because of her skills and utmost beautiful work. So with that, I would like to welcome her to give us the case summation of today. Thank you very much, um, Deputy President and Program Director. Also, great thanks to the President. Um, greetings to the House at large. Um, my duty is to give a summary of why we are here today. Um, the case that is brought before the court is informed by Section 20 of the Constitution. Section 20 of the Constitution reads as follows. No citizen may be deprived of of citizenship. In addition to this, the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights also guarantees an individual's right to citizenship. Now, in December 2018, the co a coalition of international forces, including the South African National Defense Force, defeated a terrorist group named the, the New Atlantanian Republic. This New Atlantanian Republic had seized control of about 80,000 square kilometers of the, of the northern region in Africa. Um, the northern region that it had seized control of included countries such as Libya, Egypt, Chad, and Sudan. The NAR was perceived as a threat to peace in the region. It wanted to create what it called a new, a true patriarchal republic and this new patriarchal republic was based on the premise that the white race is superior to all other races. Now, um, according to its ideals, it emphasized that the white man would be responsible for the governance of the republic. The NAR attracted thousands and thousands of civilians, and it was guilty with the assistance of those civilians of committing a number of gross human rights violations. These gross human rights violations included slave trade, torture, and the massacre of civilians. Further, this massacre was also added onto by acts of torture, which were also reported and then published on social media. Now, the NRR ex extended beyond Africa with terrorist attacks committed in its name in Toronto, London, New York, and Paris. Despite the fact that the NAR was ultimately defeated, analysts say that its influence is still a real threat and that reprisal attacks may follow in countries that are currently campaigning against the NAR. The defeat of the NAR has also left thousands and thousands of women and children in refugee camps. It is on this premise 
that the applicants have brought this matter to us today, <coughs> have in, instituted, instituted rather these proceedings. Um, the daughter of the applicants, namely Ms. Rachel Person, was reported missing during the peak of the NAR's power and control era. Now, when she was reported missing, she were, it was later found that Ms. Rachel had boarded a flight to Egypt, to Cairo, with the intention of joining the NAR and of marrying one of its fighters. When she did this, she was still a minor. Currently, Rachel is now 19 years old, and she was interviewed holding her three-month-old son, Mikhail. Um, in that interview, Rachel said that she hoped to return home to South Africa soon with her son and mentioned that if she stayed in the refugee camp, that Mikhail would die. She mentioned this also based on the fact that her daughter had died in the, in the March preceding the year. Her daughter was 18 months old when she died of pneumonia in the refugee camp. Rachel, during the interview, was, however, not apologetic of her involvement in the new Atlantanian Republic, and she indicated that if she could go back in time, she would do so again. After her interview, the Department of Home Affairs raised issue with Rachel's sentiments and immediately issued a media statement in which it was indicated that Rachel's citizenship in South Africa has been formally revoked in accordance with the South African Citizenship Act 88 of 1995. The minister also reported that she will be turned away from South Africa if she attempts to return. In a live interview on the Sabwell YouTube channel, the Minister of Home, of Home Affairs explained the position adopted by the department and indicated that under Section 6, Subsection 1 of the Citizenship Act, that Rachel had ceased to be a South African citizen when she voluntarily joined the new Atlantanian Republic and adopted citizenship in front in citizenship from its protestate. Furthermore, to the extent that was necessary, the minister had made an order depriving this person, Rachel, of her South African citizenship under Section 8, Subsection 2 of the Act because it was in the public interest to do so. He is quoted as having said the following. The Constitution says that we, South Africans, believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity. Section 1 says that one of our values is a non Racialism and one of our values is non-racialism and non-sexism. Non the minister said that Rachel had disavowed this by joining the new Atlantanian Republic and she said to all South Africans and to the world that she does not believe that people of color are equal to white people. She said thus that she is not South African in doing so. The minister also indicated that because Ms. Person's father, Mr. Uh, Person, is a British citizen, she automatically then held British citizenship. He indicated that she could always live in the United Kingdom. The applicants have thus 
wrote this application, against the Department of Home Affairs for a declaratory order that Section 6 of Section 1 of the Citizenship Act did not apply to their daughter's circumstances. And by so doing, the applicants are asking the court to review and to set aside the decision that the, the minister took in refusing racial citizenship in terms of Section 8, Subsection 2 of the Act. The application was brought on behalf of Rachel as well as on behalf of Rachel's son, Mikhail Person. In their founding um, papers, the applicants allege that Section 6 and Section 1 of the Act applies only to citizenship or nationality that is obtained from a recognized state. Now, we have to bear in mind that the new Argentinian Republic was not a recognized um, inter, um, state, but rather was a proto-state. Therefore, this thus forms the, the applicant's argument that the national, the new Argentinian Republic was not a state. Importantly, South Africa did not recognize NAR as a state, but rather as a terrorist organization that has seized territory from other countries and participated in the military campaign to restore those territories. Now, in response to the minister's, to the minister's action, the applicants also allege that the minister could not exercise his power under Section 8 of the Act simply because he did not like Rachel or because she was racist. Um, the applicants are making this argument on the premise that if all South Africans were deprived citizenship based on what they held as their beliefs, either openly or secretly, then ultimately nobody would be entitled to citizenship. Therefore, they're saying that the, the racial circumstances do not apply. The applicants aver that their daughter and their grandson are not a threat to anyone and never directly participated in any militant activity. They allege that the decision violates Rachel and Mikhail's rights under the Constitution and therefore it's, it falls to be set aside. In addition to this, Mikhail is a minor child and falls under the provisions of Section 28 of the Constitution. Therefore, he's entitled to the rights set therein, the, the rights um, provided for, for children. And as a result, his best interests are paramount because there is a real risk that he may die in the refugee camp and his mother, Rachel, must therefore be returned to South Africa. The applicants concede that Mr. Person is a British citizen, that is Rachel's father, but also they point out that family or connections in the United Kingdom is very limited. Therefore, if Rachel was to go back to the United Kingdom or ask for citizenship there, she would have very little to no social support and that she does not have capacity to take care of herself and of her three-month-old baby if she were allowed entry into the United Kingdom. And the applicants also assert that it is unlikely that she will be entitled or granted entry into the United Kingdom. Now, the respondents, the Minister of Home Affairs, opposed this application seeking a declaratory order and for the, for the minister's decision to be set aside. The minister argues that Ms. Person effectively revoked, I mean, renounced her citizenship even in favor of an organization that was not a recognized state. 
This step was taken unilaterally by her without the involvement of South Africa at all. Her choices in particular, her choice of residence and her choice of nationality should be respected. Section 6, subsection 1, therefore applies to her and as a result, she has lost her South African citizenship by operation of the law without any steps being taken by the South African government. Now, to the extent that Section 6, subsection 1 of the Citizenship Act does not apply, the minister alleges that he was empowered to make a decision in accordance with Section 8, subsection 2 of the Citizenship Act and did so to the extent that was necessary. The minister also alleges that there was a serious, there is serious security concerns that militate against allowing Rachel Person's entry into South Africa. Although it does not appear that Ms. Person was directly involved in any violence at the new Argentinian Republic, it is clear from her interview, from her hostile responses, that she still firmly believes and shares in its ideology and would probably support this organization or similar organizations within the Republic of South Africa. There is therefore a real threat that she may support persons or organization in acts of terrorism against South Africa should she be granted citizenship. In light of the fact that South Africa was one of the key parties in, engaged in battle against the, the new Argentinian Republic in North Africa, this is a serious threat and one that the South African government cannot ignore. The minister knows that Ms. Person is eligible for citizenship in the United Kingdom, which is her father's country of origin. That in the United Kingdom, the minister also knows that the United Kingdom has not refused Rachel any citizenship or any entry. It argues that the court should not engage in speculative argument that it may do so. She should engage all options open to her and not compel South Africa to accept her first. The minister acknowledges that this person's son has been placed in a precarious and difficult position, but however, averse that this was done unilaterally by her own mother. Therefore, Miss Rachel Person cannot come to South Africa and then just expect that things will be then um, moved in her favor. Now, the court, as previously stated, is assisted today in these proceedings by Amicus Karai. Amicus Karai is Ubuntu Now, which is a non-profit organization based in Johannesburg. Um, the non-profit Johannes, uh, non organization has joined these proceedings. According to its mission statement, its central goals are to ensure that government officials are held to account for their conduct to prevent the radicalization of the youth of South Africa so that the dignity of each person is respected as emphasized by Section 10 of the Constitution and in line with the African philosophy of Ubuntu. Ubuntu now argues that South Africa has a domestic and international obligation to return this person to South Africa and to put her to trial for any of her alleged criminal activities. It argues that this has the following benefits for Ms. Rachel and ultimately, hopefully, promoting this person's citizenship, 
the South African government has created a real risk that Ms. Pearson and her son would be stateless. They therefore have every reason to join terrorist organizations and partake in the acts of terror around the world, and they have no, re no reason to swear allegiance to South Africa. Therefore, this poses a, a real security threat. Ubuntu now also warns that it is unknown how many South Africans, like Ms. Rachel Person, joined the new Argentinian Republic, and of these, how many are still alive? And but they, they, there are many, uh, there are as many as 4,000 South African citizens in the refugee camps in North Africa. Now, this case therefore has important implications on how the South African government will conduct itself towards all of these persons. Having perused the record, this court calls for submission on the following aspects. Firstly, does section 6 of section 1 of the Citizenship Act 88 of 1995 apply in this matter? If so, what are the consequences of that provision of the Act in respect of Rachel and in respect of Mikhail? Secondly, should this court take a different approach in respect of the minor child, Michael, than in respect of her mother, Rachel. Lastly, what is the appropriate remedy, if applicable? Thus concludes the case summation for the proceedings, and the hearing will commence shortly.